We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to an NFL Week 16 edition of the Rotowire Sports Betting Pod, a subsidiary of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Nick Whalen, John McKechnie, talking Week 16. John, we are going to go uh, rapid fire through each of the 16 games on the slate this weekend. We got a a nice balance ahead of us this weekend, right? Christmas weekend. We got we got still got a Thursday night game. We got two games uh, on Saturday. We got a full slate on Sunday, uh, and then a, a nice three gamer on Monday. That concludes with your Ravens on the road at the 49ers. Yes. Uh, so the NFL, you know, for, for guys like us, content creators in the, in the sports uh, space, our hit, look, family, our hands are tied. We have to watch a lot of football this weekend. Yeah. It's just how it is, how it is Christmas Eve. Sorry. I'll put on the, the funny sweater, but my, I'm locked in on the game Christmas night. Sorry, Grammy and pop up. Like, you know the you know the Ravens are playing. Like, what do you want yeah. me to do? Be watching too. So um, that's just how it is. Uh, it's nice to have the baked in excuses for this weekend. But it, it's it, looking at at the slate itself. It's tough. This is a really tough nut to crack. Like uh, you know, last mm-hmm. week we we scratched and clawed out a three and two that that really you know if, if not for the Titans kind of biffing it should have been four and one. The weekend prior we we were just all over everything. Even the even the games that didn't make our card. We were we were nailing it this week. Boy, I'm I'm having trouble finding even three games that I feel good about. Yeah, so we gotta we gotta get five for the Circa Million card, and we will we'll discuss each of these, you know, in their own context, and then talk about whether or not they'll be in consideration. I gotta say, John, a lot of our better weeks in the contest this week have come when I've not felt great about it. You know, two weeks ago, I, I felt a little dicey about some of those picks. You know, we pulled off a four in one week. Uh, you know, for the most part, we've been keeping our heads above water. I think we've really only had uh, two weeks where we've been, you know, notably below 500. And those two weeks are, are dragging down our overall record, but we are, I believe we're six games over 500 uh, heading into week 16. So, you know, it's going to take a miracle, I think for us to, uh, to, to have a chance at the at the top prize, but still very much in it uh, for the quarterly prizes. And that's something that I love about the circuit contest is, you know, if you, if you start slow, you know, there's always quarter two, there's quarter three, there's quarter four where there's money to be made. Um, but yeah, it's been so much fun playing in that. And we will you know, kind of discuss that as we go through each game. Let's start with Thursday night football tonight. Uh, we are recording a little bit earlier than normal due to the holidays. So we can uh, get some words in on Saints Rams. This number locked at three and a half in the circuit contest. That's down from where it was earlier in the week. Uh, maybe a little bit of support coming in for New Orleans. I have not really been a truster of the New Orleans Saints all season. I think Derek Carr played arguably his best game of the year 
last week uh, against the Giants, so maybe that doesn't mean all that much. But I actually thought that was going to be a tricky spot for New Orleans. I would not have been surprised if they if they stumbled against the Giants. So, you know, it, it, it feels like in some ways they're maybe finding a way to, to play more consistently. But at the same time, you know, I think this Rams team, even though they, they allowed Washington to come back and make that a little bit uncomfortable at the end last week, uh, they, they to me feel like a team that has been much better than a 7-7 seven and seven outfit so far. Right. So the, this game is really high stakes, right? Because they're, mm-hmm. they're both seven and seven. The winner will, will have the, the head-to-head tiebreaker. Um, but I do like the Rams in this spot. It's a very mm-hmm. public uh, opinion. But the, the New Orleans generally has been bad against the number this year. One of the worst teams against the spread period. They've been bad against the spread on the road. Uh, Rams have been slightly above average, uh, I think four and three uh, at mm-hmm. home against the spread. This season, Stafford's healthy, playing well. I think he's like a top 10 fantasy quarterback this week. You got Nakua, you've got Cup, you've got Kyron Williams. Uh, he's just making me eat my words every single week. The defense is somehow cobbling it together. So all that plus the the Saints being as confounding as they as they are, you know, they, they can have games like uh, the the one in Indianapolis or or, or New England where they just kind of come out of nowhere and, and mm-hmm. light up the scoreboard, but they haven't really done that against uh, NFC opponents for the most part. They haven't really beaten any quality teams so far this year. I think that trend continues. I, I think the Rams do get this done. Saints are four ten and one ATS. Uh, you know, in, in their last fifteen spots uh, when they're attempting to cover for a second consecutive week. That's something to keep in mind. This has not been a good team against the number for the most part uh, this season and, and in years past. And, you know, I, I think against a good team, that's when we we start to see the true New Orleans Saints come out. And that's Derek Carr throwing red zone picks. That's drives, you know, stalling on, on you know, just third and eight after third and eight. The Saints should get Chris Olave back. He's, in fact, he's off the injury report. He is confirmed to play this week. That is big. You know, they're getting a little bit healthier on offense. You know, still no Michael Thomas. Uh, but you got Alvin Kamara, you got Jamal Williams. However, they will be without their right tackle, Ryan Ramchek. I would say arguably their best offensive lineman. You know, you, you said it perfectly with the Rams. They're cobbling this defense together. Like, that's what worries me is I still don't believe this is a, a reliable week-to-week defense. But I think if the Rams could get to 23, 26 points, they're, they're going to cruise here. Yeah, I, I like them. I like them here. I think that the offense sets up well um, against the, the Saints defense maybe the the run game doesn't get going quite as well for uh for the rams as we've seen in recent weeks but i think the passing game more than makes up for it in this spot um yeah i think that this this ends up being a nice game from the rams passing attack as they go on uh to a victory and continue to kind of make themselves primed uh for for a playoff uh spot in the wild card whereas uh, the saints uh they're just gonna have to hope that the bucks slip up and they can still uh the division could still be in grasp for them Saints have allowed 100-plus rushing yards in eight of their last nine games, including 200-plus to the Falcons and the Carolina Panthers in two of their last four games. So I actually think this might be a decent spot for Kyron Williams and the Rams to keep it going. And the nice thing about the Rams now is, like, if that running game stalls, you know, Matthew Stafford is rolling. He's rolling with Cooper Cup. He's rolling with Puka Nakua. And I think we're kind of seeing now, really for the first prolonged stretch of the season, you know, what this offense can look like when, when they're at full strength and fully healthy. So I'm with you. I like the Rams minus three and a half at home tonight. Let's go to the December 23rd, the Saturday slate, John, we, we got a couple of games coming at us on Saturday, Bengals Steelers, big one in the AFC North. 
this feels like a, a kitchen sink. You know, you, you probably throw in the dishwasher, the fridge, uh, any any really kitchen appliances are on the table here for Pittsburgh. I mean, their season their season's on the line. Uh, you could say the same for Cincinnati. They need to keep winning, but they're in a better spot right now than the Steelers. And uh, the big feather in the cap for the Bengals, who will not have Jamar Chase, is that they're not starting Mason Rudolph. They are not. Um, that, that's an issue for the Steelers, but at least the Steelers can say they're not starting Mitchell Trubisky anymore. I mean, that's something. Fair point. Accurate um, point. Yes. But, you know, last week was, was kind of the put up or shut up time for, for them. And they, they got out to the hot start and it's like, mm -hmm. is this, you know, is this really the, the continuation of the narrative that, you know, like the Steelers as underdogs, that, that's when you jump in on them. Uh, you know, it felt like that they had really kind of stacked the the chips against themselves by losing straight up to to the Patriots and the and the Cardinals respectively at home in those previous two games. I think the Steelers are just cooked, um, and in the the Bengals just need to win this one by by two points. And uh, grit and hard hat and all all the other little stupid Steelers tropes mm -hmm. need not apply here. Um, I, I think even the Jamar Chaseless. Joe Burrowless, Bengals. That's more gritty and hard hat, in my opinion, uh, than anything the Steelers have to do here. And I, I think that the Bengals go in, get it done, and, and the Yinzers go home sad on Christmas. Steelers are on cooked watch. You're right. Mm. I, I feel that way too. I think they're officially, officially cooked for the season if they lose this game. We got to mention all the Tomlin stats, though, John. I mean, this this would be this would be a classic Mike Tomlin somehow find a way to win this game scenario for Pittsburgh. After allowing 30 points under Mike Tomlin, the Steelers are 26-10-1 against the number in their next game. They are 43-28-1 against the spread under Mike Tomlin after failing to cover by at least seven points in their previous game. They're 19-6-1 ATS at home after allowing 30-plus points. And off of a double-digit loss, they are 22-12 against the spread. So there's, there's all these pro-Tomlin numbers. How many of those games came with Mason Rudolph, right? I, 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 I'm, I'm with you, man. This team, this team has felt cooked. I, I think George Pickens has, like, he was the first one on this. Like, we, like halfway through week one, George Pickens knew this team was cooked. Yes, man. And, and you know, Tomlin has all these amazing stats, but I, I, I think we, we're going to have to reframe them to, the like, re-split them. Ben Roethlisberger era, Tomlin, and post. Like, for, from 2021 onward uh, i think is where we need to make our judgment calls on, on like the on tomlin's uh coaching gra uh, gravitas um because yeah i mean with the the mason rudolph kenny pickett mitchell trubisky uh clown show it probably isn't quite as strong or it's it's harder to to trust those numbers because it's not peak ben roethlisberger back there kind of kind of helping uh smooth things over so they're yeah, they're in deep trouble. I, I can't believe George Pickens said the quiet part out loud. I know that he he has the dog in him generally, but clearly didn't uh, last week. Demonte Casey had too much dog in him. Therefore, we're not seeing seeing him the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm at, out on the Steelers. Uh, I, I think the Tomlin mystique, the Steelers mystique, like Ben Roethlisberger said himself, it's over. All right, let's go to Bills Chargers. Just a banger of a game uh, in the mm -hmm. late window on Saturday. Bills are 12-point favorites right now at the DK Sportsbook. This one locked at 12 and a half in Circa. Not a big difference with the hook uh, in this situation. You know, 13 versus 13 and a half. You know, maybe that's something I would consider. 12 and a half versus 13. Uh, I love the Bills here. Uh, call me a sucker. Call me a square. 
Um, you know, tell me I'm reading too much into last week's results. I don't think there is any post Staley firing bounce coming from the Chargers. I, I think if they were healthy, maybe, you know, they're, they're freed from the shackles of Brandon Staley. Like, I, I think this would be normally an obvious spot where you should get an improvement because Brandon Staley is a terrible coach and this should have happened probably earlier in the season, if not after last season. But I don't think they're capable of that bounce with Easton Stick. And, you know, we don't even know if Keenan Allen's going to be back in the mix. I'm not sure that really matters. I mean, this offensive line was a disaster last week. Austin Eckler has looked like a shell of himself really since coming back from that early season injury. And, um, you know, I, again, the, the Bills, they beat the Cowboys by, what, three scores last week? And Josh Allen went 7 of 15 passing. I mean, they have they have mm-hmm. unlocked something running the ball. And Lord knows you can run on the L.A. Chargers. And, look, if for whatever reason James Cook you know, can't get it going this week, then great. You got Josh Allen. You got Stephon Diggs to fall back on. You got Dalton Kincaid. You know, I, I actually think this could be – you know, a sneaky breakout spot for Gabe Davis, who's been you know just a disaster these last two weeks. I, I don't think this number's high enough. I know the Bills are on the road. I know they're going out west, but this is also the easiest road stadium in the league to play at. Oh, easily. I mean, if you're if not for your holiday plans, like if, if you're a Buffalo fan, like go to L.A. Like what you know, th- this time of year, get out of the cold for a little bit and go see your team just completely steamroll the Chargers. Uh, you know, and in, in nice conditions. Do that. I, I'm completely with you there. You you drew it up well. I think the Bills are rolling right now. And whatever the antithesis of rolling is, uh, that's what the Chargers are doing. And I think that that continues this week. And and again, it's a friendly number uh, that we're playing around with at, at Circa with with, um, with it being 12 and a half points. And, you know, I, I'd feel comfortable with them all the way to 13 and a half. Um, yeah, really not not a whole lot else to say. I think, you know, that there's it's hard to have a line that's big enough for me to to bet the Chargers here. Yeah, again, I, I know there are some bounce back narratives here, uh, but I just I don't think the Chargers are a normal team in that scenario. No. They don't have their quarterback. They they don't have their top receiver. You know, it's just their season's cooked. They've known it was cooked. And I, I don't I know I saw a lot of people this week saying, oh, they gave up against the Raiders like. I don't think they gave up. I don't think teams really, you can't really do that in the NFL or you're, you're just going to get like pounded physically and get yes. injured. Like they didn't give up, but it was just, it was a game that completely got away from them. Everything that went wrong, uh, you know, possibly uh, went wrong for them. I completely butchered that, but you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's decent stick, you know? So I, I don't, I don't think there's any, you know, big bounce back coming here uh, against the bills. There's going to be zero energy in that building. If, if anything, it'll be a, a massively pro bills crowd. You would think on a holiday weekend. So yeah, I like that one for the circuit card. Bills minus 12 and a half. Confounding game in Atlanta, John, uh, to kick off our Christmas Eve slate. The Colts and the Falcons, two of the, the most unpredictable teams in the league, at least in Indianapolis to me, as, as far as variance goes. I mean, they're at the top of the league. You have no idea what you're getting week to week from the Colts. I would say there's variance with Atlanta, but I, I don't know if there really is. You know, I mean, they we, we kind of know who they are. And, you know, in retrospect, losing that game straight up to Carolina – it was surprising. I was on the Falcons, but the way you watched it play out, you're like, yeah, this is kind of what the Falcons do. Yep. I, I was, uh, I was watching the game with a sort of like a dual citizen, uh, half Falcons, half Jags fan. And I, I, I pointed out to him during the game, like, Hey, Falcons are up. And he just goes, uh, they're going to, they're going to find a way to lose. And th- this is against the Panthers, mind you. And he, the Carolina he called Panthers. it the, I mean, there was nobody even at that game. Like that was insane. Like the the visuals from that game were, were unbelievable. Uh, the vibes all time bad. Um, that the Falcons have gone away from from Desmond Ritter to Taylor Heineke. We talked about this on, on uh, um, our circa video earlier, but it's like 
Yeah, we were making the calls for we had the uh, the Heineke signal out earlier this season when they finally made that move to him. Uh, didn't go well. Um, so I, I'm not sure that uh, I have the same type of optimism and enthusiasm that things get better under Heineke that I did uh, earlier this season. But at the same time, like if you were making your, your personal lines for, for this game uh, coming into this week on, on Monday, would you have said that a, the Falcons were, were favored what whatsoever um, or there's no multi point multi part to it. Uh, you know, maybe even just, do you have anything under the uh, Indianapolis favored by a field goal? And all of a sudden it's, it's actually the Falcons are the favorites in this one. And, and Indianapolis has been pretty killer um, on the road against the spread. I believe they're five and two um, against the spread. One of the better marks in the league, other than the, the Bucks, who are the true road warriors, seven and one against the spread. Good on them. But um, yeah, I, I, uh, I have my, I, this game officially breaks my brain. I think is what I'm getting at. The Colts were two and a half point favorites two days ago at DraftKings, and we, we've seen that line move considerably toward Atlanta. And I just, I can't get there with the Falcons, man. I, I don't know how you could believe in this team. And I, to me, Ritter to Heineke is probably a lateral move. I don't, I don't really know how you can upgrade Atlanta. I think earlier in the season I upgraded them when they went away from Ritter, and you know expected Heineke to look better. And you know I, I still think on balance he's probably the the better option of the two, but. You know, he he brings that that Minshewy level of friskiness, and, and it was mostly negative. You know, in the games that he played, they went zero and three when he played significant time, and two of those were starts. So, I, I'm staying away from this one. I don't like it. Um, you know, I, I think the the market and the numbers maybe maybe pushing us a little bit toward Atlanta here. My my lean would be Indy, but I I feel like I'm I'm split on that enough that I don't want to put it on the card. No, I, I don't either. Um, and looking at the. Uh... At the splits for, from the public, 60% agrees that, that the Falcons should be favored here as far as the, the money is concerned coming in uh, with the Falcons as one point favored 60% uh, over at DraftKings. So that's, a you know, the public seems to to believe for one for one reason or the other, um, but I, I just can't get there. I, I expect Indianapolis to win this one outright, yeah. um, but th- there's just something far enough awry here where it's like it just is signal to, to – leave it alone. Sort of like the, uh, the Texans jets game from a couple weeks ago. It's like, I don't get this. Therefore I'm yep. scared of it. Therefore I'm leaving it alone. You know, I've gotten to the point in my weekly article where I, you know, I just, I, I put a disclaimer in for every Falcons game. I'm like, do not trust me. You know, whatever I pick, just take the opposite. You, you, you'd be like 12 and two on the year picking Falcons games. <laughs> I, I fade myself when it comes to the Falcons, when I think they're going to win, they don't win. When I think they're going to lose, they find a way to win. So, you know, th- th- this tells me that we just need to stay far away. So we, we will agree on that one. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, by the way, should be back in the mix for the Colts. We're waiting uh, to hear a status update on Michael Pittman, uh, who took that hard hit over the middle from Devontae Casey last week. Packers-Panthers. Packers-Panthers. Panthers, four and a half point dogs at home for the Packers. That's where this one locked uh, at the, the Circus Sportsbook. Uh, I, yeah, I, I still think Green Bay's a better team. They have not shown it the last two weeks. I think it was alarmingly bad on defense last week. They've been a disaster on defense for three-plus years now. Anybody who watches this team, I mean, the, the calls for Joe Barry's head are not new. This this should have probably happened two years ago. I think they're going to fire him at the end of the year. You know, the question is, is there is that somewhat of a wake-up call, right? Like, it was so bad that you almost – you have to change something, right? And Matt LaFleur has been, in my mind, overly diplomatic about this. You know, he has defended Joe Barry to a degree that I don't think he has to – 
But, you know, he basically said this week, like, yeah, I got, I got to have more of a hand in our defensive calls. Like, we, we can't have guys playing 15 yards off when it's third and three and you're just handing Chris Godwin, you know, his eighth 10-yard catch of the day. Uh, there, there's no reason to make Baker Mayfield look the way he looked last week. He was 10 of 11 on passes that traveled at least 10 yards. That's not who Baker Mayfield is. That's not who he's ever been. Um, but, you know, you have the benefit now facing Bryce Young, who is not thrown for 200 yards in like 10 weeks, right? So it should be it should be a matchup where even if you're still really concerned about the Packers defense, which you should be, doesn't matter against Carolina. You know, if you if you could just, you know, mildly slow down Chuba Hubbard and that like high volume running game, I, I, I like the spot for Green Bay. But again, this is another team that has a ton of injuries on offense. It's yeah, right. right. The Packers do uh, or they are banged up. You were making the point um, during your your breakdown of of week 15 on the pod with, with Adam earlier this week. Great pod, by the way. Um, you know, like the the Packers do what they always do with Aaron Jones. They, they have the the early usage that's encouraging. And then he suddenly disappears for, from the game plan. So that that was a frustrating element. And then, yes, I mean, anytime. Uh, that you see your coordinator trending on Twitter, it's never for a good reason. And he called another great game. Let's get him trending. Yeah, let's go. Pat on the back. Uh, cheers all around, Mr. Barry. No, that's not. That's not how that works. And and yeah, Joe. I see. I only know of Joe Barry just because of the, the Packers fans absolutely despise the guy. Um, I'm I'm still of the belief that the the Panthers are the worst team. Uh, the Falcons just found a way in in a divisional set up to to blow it last week. The Packers know their backs are against the wall. I know the last two weeks have been really tough, but I think that that kind of leads to this being a, a somewhat playable number for for our purposes. And I know it's on the road and everything, and that's that's not as ideal. But um, I think the Packers can can get this done. I, I'm still I don't think that last week was, was a signal that that the Panthers have figured anything out. This is just four and a half points. So, you know, we, we just got to avoid the dreaded 21-17 uh, results here, but uh, I would take the Packers. Yeah, I thought the Packers actually played a pretty good game offensively last week against Tampa, right? I mean, to, despite getting away from Aaron Jones, as they always do, they, they finished with fewer than 100 rushing yards, which, you know, Tampa, I, I think you think of as a uh, you know, as a good run defense, and they are, and especially when Vita Bay is in there, but I thought Green Bay got, you know, obviously they fell behind and they were trying to go score for score with Tampa, but I thought Jordan Love played pretty well, all things considered. And, you know, if the defense could have just gotten like one stop at any point in the second half, I think that maybe becomes a different game. Um, I, I am worried about the Chuba Hubbard factor. I, I don't think Carolina needs to ask Bryce Young to throw the ball 40 times to hang around with Green Bay. But again, the biggest, the biggest hang up for me is the injuries. Like I, I don't think Christian Watson's playing. He did not practice at all today. Jaden Reed did not practice at all today either. That would be a huge, huge swing piece for me with Green Bay. Because if you're taking Watson and Reed out of the equation, Aaron Jones is banged up again, by the way. is dealing with knee oh. and finger injuries. Dontavian Wicks, uh, who's given them some, some pretty good snaps this season. He's been limited all week. Like, if you go into this game with a limited Aaron Jones, potentially no A.J. Dillon, no Watson, no Reed, and your receiving core is like Romeo Dobbs, Malik Heath, Samari Touré, and then Tucker Craft at tight end, like, at that point, I think I think I might take Green Bay to win, but I might take the Panthers to cover the four and a half. And those games in Carolina, for what it's worth, um, not not sure that really matters all that much. We saw a hell of a crowd uh, in Charlotte last week, <laughs> but I I just I don't know if I can quite get there with the Packers. But we, are you comfortable enough with Green Bay that this would be a, a consideration for the circuit card? I, I am, and you know, even with those injuries, I, I still think four and a half is not enough for me to be uh, that concerned. But my favorite tweet. 
from from, uh, from this week is from the Onion. Actually, mm. when they uh, do when they do a little foray into sports, it's usually pretty funny. The James Webb Telescope finds evidence of Packers secondary lined up twenty million light years off of receivers, and then it's just like a picture of number thirty-seven on the Packers just floating in space. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing with the Onion. It's like, especially if they, like, that's a pretty niche sports tweet as far as the Onion goes. You know, they'll they'll dabble in sports, of course, but. Uh, th- like that's how you know things are really bad. Like if the onion is making a, a niche joke about how far off your secondary is playing, like uh, enough that they're like, yes, our, our broad audience will understand this. Um, I mean, that's, that's about as big of a death knell as it gets for Joe Barry. So hmm. uh, there we have it. I, we're a little bit split on this one. I think we agree. The Packers are winning. Um, I don't know if they do it by more than a field goal. Browns Fair. Texans. This is a fun one. I know we both like the Browns here at two and a half uh, eerily similar situation uh, to what we faced last week with the Houston Texans, because I, I think they're going to be down. Most of their key pieces, again, just as they were in Tennessee last week, they found a way to win that game after going down uh, by two scores. I don't think they'll have the same luck against the Browns. I know the Browns defense has not traveled quite as well on the road this season. They've been so much better at home. But if you watched that entire Houston-Tennessee game, as I did, because I had a lot riding on the Houston Texans losing that game, credit to Case Keenum, you know, credit to Devin Singletary, credit to D'Amico Ryans, who in my mind should be coach of the year for finding a way to win that game. I mean, that's in that situation, man, you know, young team down so many key players down CJ Stroud. You almost never see a straight up win like that. That was Tennessee just handing them that game. The, the Titans had so many totally. chances. You know, there, there were like three separate drives where it's like, all right, if they just get one more first down, you know, they'll run this thing down to the point where Houston won't have much time left. And Tennessee was just a, an abomination, just at a, a, by both ends really, but especially offensively. And you know, the Browns are, are turnover prone. That's what worries me, right? Joe Flacco, as, as much as he's rejuvenated uh, this offense and this passing game and David Njoku and Amari Cooper, he's still tossing two or three picks a week, right? And if, if Derek Stigley could get his hands on a couple of them, maybe that keeps Houston around. But at two and a half in the circuit contest, I, I think we got to put the Browns on the card. I do too. This is one of the very few games that, that I do feel good about right off the jump uh, this week. I think the Browns, the key will be their, their defense showing up. It should be able to, um, against a, a uh, an offense uh, led by one Case Keenum that that obviously isn't going to have to worry about Tank Dell uh, is not not going to have to deal with a a fully healthy Nico Collins. I think they're going to be able to slow down Devin Singletary. I think that there will be more of like that them being able to force Keenum uh, to make them beat them than the Titans were able to to manufacture last week. So um, th- this all just points to to the Browns. Again, of course, in the in the world of NFL betting, the better you feel about it, the the like the worse it's going to go for you. But you know, for better or for worse, I'm on the Browns too. Yeah, I think we just got to trust it here. Uh, this is for me. You know, part of it is, is just thinking the Browns are the better team. I mean, they have they have a chance to actually clinch a playoff spot. Now they're going to need some help this week, but obviously a win here goes a long way. Then you're basically one win away uh, from essentially locking yourself in. If they can get to 11 wins, they're making the playoffs in the AFC. So, you know, motivationally, obviously both of these teams need this game, but I don't think this is really a letdown spot for Cleveland. And I think if the Browns, if the Browns could just play it safe, not turn it over three times, I, I just, I don't see Case Keenum doing this two weeks in a row. Right. And, and I also don't think Case Keenum is the reason they won. It's not like he played this great game. This is not some like Jake Browning situation where it's like, Oh my goodness, you know, maybe they, maybe they could find a way with Case Keenum. It's like, you just mm-hmm. played a hapless Tennessee team that could not protect its quarterback and could not get anything going when all it needed was one more drive, basically to close out that game at any point in the second half. So I, I just have significantly more faith in the Browns as an overall team than I do the Tennessee Titans. And I think it's a lot to ask 
for this version of an extremely banged up Texans team uh, to, to pull that off two weeks in a row, even at home. You know, I, I, I think this, this is a good home crowd. I mean, I, I think it is a kind of rejuvenated football city with the amount of progress that they've made over the last few months. But I, I like the Browns here. If this was three, three and a half, maybe not, but at two and a half, it's, it's a little too juicy. Seahawks Titans, another Christmas Eve game in the noon window. Seahawks two and a half point favorites. That's where it locks in Circa. We will see. I, I think we could see some more movement before we get to uh, Sunday, but uh, this is an interesting one here. I, I mean, I just dumped on Tennessee for like five minutes, so I, I don't know how I can I'd rightfully now turn around and back them, but I think if they're starting Ryan Tannehill to me, that is not a downgrade. It It's probably about about level. Um, it, you know, we, we discussed this a, a little bit on, on the first one, uh, you know, especially when, when it's a hobbled Levis versus a, a Ryan Tannehill. It's probably fine, you know, as far as the Titans are, are concerned. Your expectations are about the same. Uh, you worry that Derrick Henry, the cliff has come for him. Um, I think that that's, that's a fair concern. Last week, didn't he have fewer than one yard per carry, if I remember correctly? So, I mean, that that's uh, it's a tough look for, for the guy. Um, so, you know, you're – you're a little bit concerned about that being a factor for, for Tennessee, their ability uh, to move the ball. But I, I think that there, this is just, I always take or keep an eye on this, especially when an underdog wins on Monday night football, um, how they perform the next week, because there, there's always more eyes on that game and a little bit more as far as like public enthusiasm, like, Oh, maybe these guys are pretty good actually. So that, that, that seems to apply to, to the Seahawks this week with, with, 90% basically of the action coming in on them. The Titans being as good as they are against the spread at home. I'm inclined to side with the Titans here. I just don't know if it's strong enough uh, to, to include on the card necessarily, but again, tough slate this week might slide in as our fifth pick, but you know, if, if, uh, if you're in strong disagreement, then uh, we'll, we'll move on to something else. I think we got you on mute there, sir. I wouldn't say I'm in strong disagreement, but I don't like the number. You're basically asking Tennessee to win that game outright, in my mind. Uh, otherwise, you're threading a, a very narrow uh, needle with, you know, needing them to lose by one or two. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, again, I think we see some more line movement later in the week once we, you know, we get a, a better update on Geno Smith, who, by the way, I think is going to be back. I mean, he practiced in full yesterday. So chances are he's back in the mix. Kenneth Walker's banged up. You know, that's something that we need to keep an eye on. Picked up a shoulder injury on Monday night against Philly. Uh, underdogs, by the way, have won straight up in seven straight Monday night games. So this is this is not really a recent trend. I mean, it's something that's uh, been going on for a few weeks now. I think if you look at these teams objectively, I think Seattle's the much better team. I think, you know, they may have thrown us off their scent a little bit, losing four straight. But do you really fault them for losing four straight to the Rams, the Niners, the Cowboys, and the Niners again? No, that was a brutal stretch. Yeah. So I, you know, again, going on the road, Tennessee, like you said, has been better at home. Uh, they're, they're certainly a, a live uh, dead team. You know, it's like, I, I don't think you expect the Titans to just lay down here, you know, with, with Mike Vrabel, it's just not really the way he's wired. Um, so I'd, I'd be surprised if the Seahawks win this game handily, but I got to say, I don't love the Titan side of this. Okay. All right. That I, I needed some sense knocked into me there because, because it, it just felt like uh, that my, my doubts about the Seahawks uh, getting blown up the way that they did uh, on Monday night with that, with them being able to beat the Eagles. And now I'm, now I'm uh, projecting them on, onto the Eagles as a result, a real, it follows type of situation. Uh, you know, I, I needed some sense knocked into me because yeah, saying the words, I like the Titans this week always feels bad. 
Jeffrey Simmons, by the way, uh, not sure if he's going to play. He has not practiced at all this week. Obviously, didn't play last week, and goes without saying that would be a, a huge loss, uh, especially if Kenneth Walker ends up playing. All right, let's see if we can do this game in like eight seconds. Commanders, Jets, John. Jets are three point favorites at home. Uh, in my article this week, I labeled this not only the stay away of the week, but the Nick Whalen stay away of the year. Yeah, uh, don't do it. Don't don't bet this game if you don't absolutely have to. D- just don't. Uh, p- there's a lot of other games to choose from this week, but if I had to pick one, it would be the Jets, just because the the Washington defense is in fact that bad, and and I think that the Washington offense could have a lot of turnovers here. Yeah, this is a you know call the gambling hotline number if you end up investing in this game. If you bet more than a hundred dollars on this game. Talk to somebody. All right. You know, you, you might have a problem. And, anybody. And look, it doesn't, yeah, it could be literally anybody. Just, you know, call the number. There's a bunch of numbers out there. Go to the website, whatever it might be. You know, I, I, I'm inclined to just take the commanders because they're getting points. I don't care how many points they like. This is such a wacky, like two very different teams, but also like even teams to me in some ways. Like Washington is mm-hmm. horrendous on uh, defense. I mean, they are neck and neck with the Cardinals, just battling week to week. Who can have the worst defense in the NFL? But they're also way better to be on offense than the Jets are. And their offense hasn't even been that good, Washington's, for like five straight weeks. But it's still vastly better than what the Jets are throwing out there. And, of course, the Jets have the big advantage on defense. So you have two just very contrasting opponents. I have no idea what's going to happen. I, In a situation like this, I just I tend to trust the team that I think can score two or three touchdowns. And I know as bad as the Washington defense is, maybe this is a week where the Jets can do that. Uh, but I, I think the the Washington offense, to me, is more sustainable. It's more sustainable, but it's more uh, volatile in the sense yes. that like it could have like the meltdown turnover game. Maybe the right. I think that the Jets defense is a little bit overrated, but it's still quite good. Um, and, mm-hmm. and them being at home, uh, I'll, I'll go with it. I, I do tend to uh, have a similar side to you where, where it's like these are two crap teams. Who's getting the points is the, is the direction you go in. That's usually can serve you pretty well. But um, I, I think Washington falls just enough below the the threshold comparatively to the jets here so i'll, I'll side with the jets and i think Salah needs this game to, to keep his job fair and it is in new york too or new jersey technically so you know, maybe that's a slight edge for whatever it's worth to the jets all right a much better game lions vikings in the nfc north uh I, I, this line to me is a little surprising lions by three i think this could be a little bit higher uh but you know pretty strong sentiment in support of the Minnesota defense. You know, that's what you, what you hear and read about this game is, man, this could be a nightmare matchup for Jared Goff. Like we know about him on the road. He is in a dome. So I'm not really worried about the conditions. Obviously I think this should be a decent spot for him. If, if you remove the elements, but Jared Goff versus a, a Brian Flores defense, I, I think is the the big concern here. I still favor Detroit. I think at three, I'm comfortable with the lions. I, I think they're a much better team. I, I think in, in this whole discussion, we tend to forget that, the Vikings are starting Nick Mullins. You know, they're on their third quarterback. And so many teams are in that situation that it's almost like kind of ancillary, right? But at the end of the day, you have a basically fully healthy Detroit Lions team against a Vikings team on his third quarterback. And I don't want to oversimplify it, but I, I just I – don't, I don't really love this spot for Minnesota. Uh, I think they, they played Cincinnati about as well as they could last week. I thought Nick Mullins could have thrown like three more interceptions than he did. And I, I know the Detroit defense has slipped the last couple of weeks, felt like they got back on track to some degree last week against Denver. Um, But I think as long as the Lions don't commit more than two turnovers in this game, they will win and they will cover because I think they can, even if it ends up being a a semi-rough day for Jared Goff, their running game to me, you know, it doesn't matter who the defense is. Like they've, they've been so consistent. The, 
uh, thunder and lightning, if you will, to harken back to the days of, of Ron Dane and Tiki Barber. Mm. That approach, man, not, not many teams have an answer for it. Even when they've gone up against some of the better defenses, some of the better run defenses in the league, teams have a hard time stopping that. They do. Um, you know, that. yeah, there, there's just so many ways in which the uh, the Lions can hurt you. Sam Laporta is such a stud. Um, and I think that Mullins probably can't really sting uh, that uh, that Lions defense. Like the, the Lions kind of they, – they can get beat pretty badly in January by, by some of the more competent offenses. But but this one, I think, fall, falls below that threshold. I – yeah, get it. This just being three points, it's really gettable. It's almost too tempting – uh, but at the same time, like the public is very split on how to approach this game with, with the Lions just getting 52% uh, of the money coming in on this. So it doesn't feel like a like a totally uh, square side to, to be liking the Lions here. Generally, uh, I'm someone that, that doubts the Lions, and I know on the road uh, that, that tends to be a fair assessment of them. Give me the Lions here. I think, I think you know, at the end of the day, this is Nick Mullins. Yeah, the Lions, uh, since their first game before the bye, so week eight, 222 rushing yards against the Raiders. After the bye, 200 on L.A., 115, 140, 142, 140, 185. I mean, they faced a, a variety of defenses, some good and some bad during that span. And I think they always have that but to, to fall back on. You know, what I will say against Detroit is that this is a team that when things are not going their way, they tend to snowball. They tend to panic. Mm-hmm. They tend to start, you know, forcing things on, on third downs and going for fourth downs that they probably shouldn't. So, if, if this game starts like last week for Minnesota where they come out hot and they're up, you know, 14 to three or something early on, I don't always trust the the, the Lions to rally back in those scenarios. But I, I think as, as long as they can avoid a disaster start, I think they'll be fine here. Um, you know, the Ty Chandler factor, his emergence the last couple of weeks, does that really do anything to move the needle for you? No, no. Um, I, I mean, it just means that the Vikings have a functional run game that you have to account for, but it's not something that's like, He's okay. They got a game breaker over there now. This is not like peak Dalvin Cook. All right, Jaguars Bucks um, could be an interesting game for some. Uh, others will be in a full on panic watching this game, such as myself, as the Jags watch their division lead slip away over these last couple of weeks. This will be a streaming the game in church situation for me, as I will be oh, no. forced forced against my will into a Christmas Eve mass. Uh, I I myself am not Catholic, um, but my my wonderful wife and her family are. So I've already, you know, I'm looking into like, you know, can I get one of like, like a Bible or like a hymnal book and maybe hollow it out, you know, like, like back in like the, like a national treasure, you know, and you, you like have a key hidden in a book. Like, can I just get my phone in there? So it's not obvious that I'm streaming it. Uh, can I get my AirPods somehow into church? We'll see. Uh, but I, I'm nervous for this game, man. Uh, it's a pick em at Circa. But if you look at the the great odds comparison page that we have over at Rotowire and go over to our betting section, you will see the Buccaneers favored by two at the DraftKings Sportsbook, and you'll even see some two and a halfs out there. That is mm, – uh, that I think, you know, pending the Trevor Lawrence status, I think that might be a, a, a hair too much uh, confidence in the Buccaneers. I, I think the Buccaneers tend to be – well, we, we say it all year long with, with Todd Bowles when he's an underdog. There's a reason he's an underdog. Never, never really seems to work out for him. Last week being being the big exception, um, but I'm not sure if that that marks a total sea change in, in how we view uh, the Buccaneers. There, uh, I think that the the Jags are still the better team overall. They're they're clunky, they're frustrating, of course, as you're uh, keenly aware. But is if Trevor Lawrence is in there, 
I think the Jags with points is the way to go this time. If Trevor Lawrence is in there and you're getting this at, you know, Jags plus two and a half. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's the play. I think these are actually more evenly matched teams though, than, than a lot of people realize. I mean, this, this version of the Jaguars, not the first 11 weeks of the season, like they are, they're a disaster right now. They cannot get out of their own way. That's been something that's plagued them really all year. And, and they had the talent and the schedule to survive it early on, but uh, this is a team that you know, struggles with turnovers, struggles with holding onto the ball. Uh, I don't think they're going to have Zay Jones this week. He's not practiced at all. And if you watched last week against Baltimore, he was kind of dragging that leg around. Didn't really look like himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, really since Christian Kirk went down, Zay Jones and Calvin Ridley, those are the guys that need to step up. I, I thought Ridley played a decent game against Baltimore, but it still just doesn't doesn't really look like he has that true you know wide receiver one type of ability, especially because like the bar right now to be like an elite wide receiver one in the NFL is very high. I mean, there are five, yeah. six, seven guys who I, I think you could put in that category when they're healthy. And, and Calvin, Calvin really is just not close to that level right now. So we're looking at a world where, you know, putting Lawrence aside, look, and if Trevor Lawrence is out, pound the Buccaneers. The Jaguars are not winning this game with CJ Beathard, especially because they have, they have no running game to speak of to fall back on. And that's still a problem, even if Lawrence plays, but you take, you take Zay Jones out of the equation and you could be going into this game with Calvin Ridley, Parker Washington, Jamal Agnew, and Tim Jones as your wide receivers. And again, the Jags will not be able to run the ball. So th- those are the guys you're relying on to beat this Buccaneers team on the road. Yeah, that, that's a, that's an uninspired uh, skill position group. I, again, Trevor Lawrence is, is the key factor here. So uh, keep an eye on the, on the Friday injury report. But if Lawrence is out, like you said, uh, it may, maybe the, the, the suggestion right now uh, with with the action being different bet- between some books and there there being some variants, maybe there is uh, a real possibility that that Lawrence is out for this one, uh, which would kill a lot of my best ball teams that are still alive. So really hoping that, that is not mm-hmm. the case. But beyond that, I'm I'm going to stick with the Jags one more time. Okay, fair enough. Uh, maybe it's my inner fan speaking, but I, I don't feel good about this one, and it's. We, we got to give it an incomplete grade right now. I, I can't confidently yeah. give out a, a side right now, not knowing Trevor Lawrence's status, but I, I do think that line movement, you know, toward Tampa Bay, you know, is, is perhaps a reaction to Trevor Lawrence remaining in concussion protocol as of today. Uh, so mm-hmm. we, we might not really get a, an answer on him for a couple more days. And again, if he's out, take the Buccaneers Cardinals bears. I'm actually looking forward to this game, John, as far as meaningless late season games with nothing on the line go, I think this is going to be a really fun one. I know, right? I mean, th- these are two teams uh, uh, jockeying for for draft position a little bit. Two situations in which the quarterbacks, we don't know if if like they're auditioning for uh, to their teams to keep them uh, in in these respective instances. You know, I, I don't know what the Bears are going to do with Fields. I, I would not want to be the guy that that makes that call one way or the other. I think it's probably more likely that uh, the Cardinals continue to stick with Kyler Murray and, you know, they're not going to be drafting maybe quite high enough to, to get there. But if they lose again uh, th- this weekend, maybe they, they are in like the Drake may uh, type of sweepstakes. Um, I hate the idea of backing Kyler Murray in cold weather. I, I don't really have a ton of evidence to, to point me against it necessarily, but I feel like he's going to look even smaller and more miserable in Chicago. I, I, I like the bears here. I trust the Bears defense. Not something I yes, thought I would say good. this season. The Bears defense is good. It's good. And we did, we did just see Arizona you know, run all over the 49ers. That was kind of the one thing they had going last week. And we'll see how untranslatable that is. You know, the Bears have been especially good against the run. And, you know, I think Montez Sweat has 
you know, kind of up their their potential overall as a defense. Yeah, I don't know how much he's really factoring into the run game, but the running game or stopping the running game, excuse me, has been something they've been able to do, uh, you know, even early in the year before they made that change and, and before Justin Fields, you know, came back, back at the Tyson Bajan era, if you, if you remember that. Hmm. The question is, do we trust Chicago to cover four here? I, I like Chicago to win this game, but as you pointed out at the top of the pod, trying to sweat out uh, Chicago with a lead late in the game, terrifying. Awful play calling. Awful. So many drives that stalled over and over. Justin Fields, you know, getting tackled by somebody just like tapping him on the back of the foot when he was running for what would have been a clear first down. Not to ice the game, but one that would have gone a long way toward Chicago winning that one. Um, I, I Again, I, I, I like the Bears to win this game. I don't know if they can get out of their own way and do it by more than a field goal. Definitely fair. Definitely a fair sentiment. I'm, I'm just betting that that this time around, uh, the weaknesses on that Cardinals defense are the, the worst kind of weaknesses to have against an offense like the Bears, and therefore the Bears are able to extend those drives, kill the clock, and the, end up winning this one by a touchdown. All right, there we go. I'm on the Bears as well. Patriots-Broncos. Patriots are six-point favorites at home. Uh, or no, they're not. The Broncos are six-point favorites at home. <laughs> God, no, are the Patriots favored. Uh, six and a half is the number at DraftKings, locked at six in the circuit contest. You know, hard not to side with Denver here. Obviously, New England has, has put up a fight the last couple of weeks, got that win over Pittsburgh. I actually thought they played reasonably well. Uh, we're in that game for like three quarters uh, against Kansas City. Yeah. I also thought the Chiefs very much took their foot off the gas in the second half. Could have tacked on another score at the end if they wanted to. They, they did the really insulting take a knee on fourth down with time left uh, to, yeah. to give the ball back to the Patriots uh, up 10 last week. It's, it's, it's just really tough to judge, you know, what it means, you know, playing against Kansas City these days, right? It's like, yeah, good win for KC, I guess. You know, good by New England to hang around, but <laughs> I, I don't, you know, it's, it's not what it meant in years past. No, it's not like the, uh, they hung with the Chiefs while they were playing their A game or by any means. But um, I think maybe last week was more indicative of who, of who the Broncos really are at the end of the day. Like, they, you know, they they start out one and five. They, they really get themselves off the mat. It's impressive. But, um, you know, you, you pointed out to me a few weeks ago when I was really in on the Broncos. It's like, dude, they are just getting all these turnovers and not turning the ball over. Like, that, that's not something that, like, is overly – sustainable over the course of the season. And, you know, that, that has come true. Um, they're, they're all of a sudden they don't get turnovers and then they, they aren't uh, winning games with that same regularity. You know, they, they beat the Chargers a couple weeks ago. Uh, they blew it against the, the Texans and then they got, you know, just totally boat raced by, by the Lions last week. I kind of view them as, as mirror uh, images of each other as far as how um, it, in their respective conference conferences, uh, as far as, how real they actually are, but uh, maybe the line's a little bit more real, uh, obviously, after beating them. I can't trust Detroit with that many points. I think they're going to win this one by like four points. It's going to be a hideous game. Okay. Okay. I think that's fair. I think Denver's not a team that tends to pull away, right? And that's that's what worries you with the spread that's like more than three with this team. And, you know, we, we saw last week they're capable of getting blown out. The Patriots are blowing them out. I don't think we're, we're no. too concerned about that. But I think Denver's totally content to win this game by a field goal and, and still yep. you know kind of control the game, right? Like when they when they went on that winning streak, it's not like they're decimating teams by any means. They were, they were able to dictate style. They were able to play very, very conservatively, hit the the one or two big plays to Cortland Sutton. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson just like rolling out to the sideline, whipping it up there. Somehow Cortland Sutton brings it down. Feels like he was averaging one of those touchdowns per game. I, I think the Patriots defense does show up here. I mean, the game's in Denver. 
for what it's worth. Um, you know, it, somewhat of a tough place to play on the road, although it, it does feel like that mystique has kind of worn off over the last few years. So, yeah, I like Denver to win outright, but I, I think at six and you know, certainly at six and a half, that might be might be a little too much. I think the Pats can hang around. Let's go to I, Raiders I Chiefs. Just talked about the Chiefs. They they beat the Pats last week. They are 10-point favorites over the Las Vegas Raiders. You know, we noted earlier in the pod those those teams that are coming off of a, you know, a game in which they score 60 points. There's almost always a, a massive correction coming. I will say I don't I don't love this number the way Kansas City's playing. They will get Pacheco back. That's big for the running game. Uh, although Clyde Edwards Alaire, I mean, one of the more athletic catches of the year uh, from a guy yeah, who's been on the, the Mike Tolbert plan. Yeah, that that wasn't that unreal. I mean, like I, I'm I'm annoyed at at, uh, at my fellow best ball compatriots that are getting rewarded for for drafting Clyde Edwards Hilaire, but um, that's besides the point. I, I would say overall, um, when it comes to the Chiefs here, uh, it's in the elements. It's it's at home. Um, I think that this is a really bad setup for for the Raiders in general. Um, and I think you tack on the fact that they just had the offensive eruption that was extremely out of character for them uh, last week. Um, I think that that comes crashing back down. I think that the the Chiefs defense keeps a lid on them. I think Aiden O'Connell makes some mistakes here. And I, I think that this is a trouble spot. I, I you know, we don't love 10, but the the or the Chiefs were just able to uh, cover that number against a better defense than what they were that than what they'll be facing on Monday and they're at home. So I think the chiefs do it. Let's Good. talk a little giants Eagles. Let's do it. Yes. Uh, giants are 12 and a half point dogs for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, should be, should be a reasonable bounce back spot for Philly coming home, you know, kind of emerging from that really difficult portion of schedule. You know, I, I kind of feel like I've been an Eagles fan this season. Like I'm always defending Philly. I was on the Eagles on, on Monday night. I thought they would win that game. They did not. Uh, I, I, I understand, you know, the concerns really on both sides of the ball now for this team, but you know, Jalen hurts wasn't hundred um, percent just hasn't really looked like himself the last few weeks. And we, we should probably mention that the Minnesota Vikings have a better point differential than the Eagles. Uh, that's oh. not a, uh, not the best omen oh. It's 12 and a half too much here. Well, uh, according to to the live line at, at DraftKings, I mean, I mean, like I, I just refreshed the page o- over on RotoWire, it's thirteen and a half at DraftKings, so it, it keeps climbing in Philly's direction. Lord. So we we're, we're actually right now getting a points worth of value uh, with the circle line relative to the live one. So that might be something to keep in mind. Public has probably never been lower on, on Philly than it is right now in in the uh, Sirianni era, in the Jalen Hurts era. Um, everyone's writing them off now as, as non-serious contenders. I do kind of agree with that, but I still think the giants are terrible. So, uh, yeah, give me the Eagles here. Uh, I, I don't know if, if it's card worthy to, to trust the Eagles with almost two touchdowns. I, I feel better about the bills, uh, covering that big number and even the chiefs. Mm-hmm. But, um, if I, if I'm picking a side here, um, and I know that, um, that history says generally, uh, huge favorites don't cover this time of year. I think that the Eagles kind of need to make a statement and make themselves feel a little bit better. I think the Eagles are getting away from, you know, what ultimately set them out to a 10 and one record to begin the season. You know, like the, I, I, they, I know they actually had a pretty productive running game uh, against Seattle the other night, but it, it, it felt to me a little bit like that bills chiefs game two weeks ago where the, yeah, the bills won, they got the result they wanted but it was like, as the game went on, it's like, why, why are you getting away from what's working, right? I, I thought Philly 
Philly to me took some really unnecessary chances on third downs, you know, third and fours, you know, where all you got to do, you, you pick up two to three yards. You don't have to get the, the first down because you know, you're getting it. If you can get it into fourth and short and Jalen hurts is like chucking the ball downfield to try to hit a 45 yard touchdown to Devontae Smith. And you're like, what are, what are you doing, man? Like, why, why are you making that decision in that spot? So yeah, I, th- I think affiliate can just kind of regroup. You know, like I said, they emerge from this really tough portion of the schedule. I mean, you got to play Dallas, KC, Buffalo, San Francisco, Dallas, and even Seattle at Seattle. That's not an easy game. Uh, I mean, no. that's about as tough of a six game run as it gets. You know, I think they've probably been looking forward to the end of that portion. You finish out Giants, Cardinals, Giants. You know, it, it's similar also to what we talked about with the Chiefs last week of like, all right, does this team have a statement game in them? Are they capable of that? I still I still say yes. I, I think I think that that dominant Philly team is still in there. I don't look at them as like I do Kansas City and say, oh, man, this that, this version of, of that team that we still think of, they, they might be gone. Like, I think Philly could rediscover it. I think so, too. And the Giants is a great playing against the Giants at home is a great place to, to rediscover. That's some, some, you know, when we talk about self-discovery on this podcast, we usually talk about Aaron Rodgers. But no, Eagles still searching this week against the Giants. It's happening. All right. There we go. Eagles minus 12 and a half. That's the play. And that's the line at Circa. That brings us to your team, John, the Ravens. They get the Monday mm-hmm. night Christmas night slots. Uh, you know, you're opening some presents. You're with the family. You got the game on fireplace fired up. I mean, this is, this is an ideal setting. Niners are five and a half point home favorites. I love San Francisco here. I do. I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a San Francisco guy, John. I, I think this number could be higher. I think it's, it's the right number, but if it was six and a half, I would still take San Francisco. I, I think you got to give me a touchdown with the way this team is rolling right now. Yeah. You got the, the fireplace rolling, the family all around. I'm cursing in front of my grandparents. Uh, like this is going to be bad. I, I don't think that there's really any way for the Ravens to, to do this. I, I think if this really is a Super Bowl preview, I think it'll be a much closer game in February. But I don't know about the Ravens. Like they're the best team in the AFC right now, but I think the AFC is so wide open. Um, you know, I'd be scared of the Browns in the playoffs. I'd be scared of the Bills. Uh, you know, it's it's not a dominant presence from Baltimore. I think that the defense can be great. I think the offense occasionally can be great. Um, I think losing Keaton Mitchell is huge. I think that there's um, going to be a huge onus on Lamar Jackson as a runner this week as a result. And, you know, you worry about Fred Warner and company like spying and and whatever that San Fran defense is going to cook up to, to slow the, the rushing lanes there for Lamar, make him beat them as a passer you don't have Mark Andrews anymore. Zay Flowers not at 100%. I don't think Odell Beckham was practicing today. This is a, this is just it seems like there's just too many things working against Baltimore to get this done. I think Baltimore's a great team. I just I don't think they're on the Niners level. And you know, if this game was in Baltimore, I think I'd feel a little bit differently. I mean, this is a tough travel spot for the Ravens, you know, played late last week and you know, like you said, these are the games where you miss Keaton Mitchell and Mark Andrews. Like you need to be, yes. you need to be at hundred percent to beat the 49ers uh, and even hang with the 49ers in San Francisco for a Niners team that still has a lot to play for. Like they, they want to lock up that number one seat and you know, a win here, I, I think would essentially seal it. I don't see them getting tripped up the rest of the way, but they need to hold off Dallas. They need to hold off Philly and they're basically fully healthy, right? I mean, they, they have, they've shown some leaks on defense. Uh, I think that Baltimore can't exploit, but to what degree, right? You know, like we, we, we talked on the, the circuit video earlier today. And it's like, what I always say about San Francisco is 
they could play their B game and still win because they're so talented. You know, they can, they can afford to have like Brandon Ayuk no show a game or Debo Samuel no show a game. Sure. They're still probably going to win because they, they just have that much talent and they're that healthy. And, you know, Baltimore to me needs to go in and play like an A plus game all around. And the chances of doing that without Andrews and, and Keaton Mitchell to me are, are relatively low. Basically, the only way that Baltimore does this is, you know, what was the common theme when the Niners were looking mortal? Is Brock Purdy turning the ball over? If if Purdy turns it over, the Ravens all of a sudden have a puncher's chance here. Sure. Uh, if Purdy plays the way that that he has at Purdy, the prohibitive NFL MVP favorite right now. Mm-hmm. Um, if he plays the way he has over the last what four or five games since the bye, the the Niners are just indestructible. I, I think mm-hmm. at that point, and I, I think especially with them being at home, Ravens not at at full speed or at full power. Uh, as far as their their personnel is concerned, the Niners can definitely win this one by a touchdown. So I, I like including this one on the card. Emotional hedge to to get me through yes. my Christmas. Love it. Yeah, it's the same case that I tried to make for the Buccaneers. Absolutely, emotional hedge. Why not? Uh, I mean, 49ers, like you said, since the bye, three total turnovers. They forced twelve in that span. So plus nine since the bye in terms of turnovers. And yeah, you're right. I mean, if if the Ravens could get after. Brock Purdy, if he if he throws a, a weird pick and you know they get a pick six or or, or a, a sack fumble, like that's what it's going to take, and that's it. That's in the cards here. I, I do not want to, you know, try to undervalue the Ravens here. I'm just I'm just that high on San Francisco, man. So that might be might be a window into where I'm going with my best bet momentarily. Uh, do we do we have a parlay of the week, John? Ooh, uh, let's see. We're gonna have kind of a, a vanilla one. We're gonna have to go with with just three uh, okay. spreads. Uh, the Niners are on there. Um, I think the lions are my other team on there and, and the Browns. Um, so two, two roadies, I know, um, two road favorites at, at that. Um, but even still that that'll get you your, your classic about six to one odds. Okay. So it, it, not, nothing too, uh, spicy, but yes, again, to recap, Cleveland, Detroit, San Francisco, all against the spread. Okay. I got a, a four legger for you this week. Uh, I'm taking the Buffalo Bills minus 12 and a half. I like that. I'm taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus two. I am, as of right now, betting that Trevor Lawrence is not playing. And again, even if he does, I, I think the Buccaneers can win that game. I'm taking the Chicago Bears money line. We're not touching the minus four, but I think they win that game at home. And we're taking the Niners minus five. That's where it sits right now at DraftKings. That one is at five and a half in Circa. Uh, that gets you a little over nine to one. Okay, we uh, that's what we're searching for. We get a nine nine to one. I'm liking where what you're cooking up there for Christmas. Okay, that's what it's all about, man. It's the holiday season. You know, we got to cook something up here. Uh, We're not doing a teaser this week. Uh, You know, didn't really love our options there. Uh, So we're skipping the teaser of the week. We've also just been terrible on the teasers. We need to take a week to just kind of refresh and and flush our body out. uh, Get back to that in week 17. Uh, But give me your lock of the week, John. Where are you going? Cleveland. Uh, uh, I know it on the road, Joe Flacco. It's, 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 it smells like a square pick, but you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm diving in. It's freaking case Keenum on the other side in all likelihood. So, uh, barring some sort of miraculous, uh, Lazarus turn for, for CJ Stroud. I think the Browns get this done by, by a field goal or more. Yeah, I don't. I don't think CJ Baby Lazarus Stroud is, is coming back for this game. All the reporting has indicated that he's not. All right, so you're going with the Browns. <laughs> Excuse me. For me, it's between the Bills and the Niners. But everything I just said about the Niners, I can't go against them. I got to ride with San go Francisco. I am taking the Niners minus five and a half. All right, that'll do it 
for our NFL Week 16 betting preview. John, I know you got a busy holiday weekend ahead. I do as well. I got to go make sure this dog is not tearing up my home. Uh, so Correct. we will be on the run here. Uh, you can catch us. You know, you can replay it on YouTube, Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Best of luck to everybody if you're playing at the circuit contest, if you're just betting the NFL, if you're still alive in your fantasy leagues. Have a great weekend. Have a great holiday. We will be back next Thursday.